I'd like to begin this teaching by reading uh, one of Jesus' parables, okay? Let's uh, turn to Matthew 25. Um, encourage you to read along with me. Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. So let's read. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Well, this is a parable, which means it's not supposed to be taken literally. It uses figures of speech to make a point. It's a, it's a story about uh, the second coming, but it doesn't mean literally buying oil. The oil refers to something else, and the something else is just exactly what we're talking about in this series of teaching. Um, how do we stock up on the anointing of the Holy Spirit and make sure that we are continuing on this way where we are connecting with God in the power of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is using the word, and we are... Um, finding ourselves prepared for Jesus' return. You know, it's like uh, a lot of, um, quite, a, quite a few generations of Christians uh, didn't really take the stories about Jesus' return very seriously. Um, but now, uh, since, well, for example, the... Uh, the reemergence of the state of Israel and many other things, people, Jews coming from north, south, east, and west and returning to the promised land, all of these things that have been happening literally historically uh, that were prophesied by God and, and Jesus himself um, affirmed those prophecies. So they're not just Old Testament, they're also New Testament. Um, but those things appear to be true. It's as though the church is having to suddenly wake up and realize, hey, we thought this was just allegorical, but it's, it's real. It's happening all around us. The things that God had said would be happening at the end of the age are now starting to be real history. And so we're having to take these stories much more seriously in our generation that the church is having to wake up and realize this is imminent. This is, could be happening any year. Uh, 
So uh, Jesus coming back to restore all things, which is what it says in Acts uh, chapter 3, verse 21. So, but what is this parable saying about that? It's like it's, we're, we're the generation that's actually having to deal with this. We're the generation that's waking up. And so what, is this, that, what does this say to us? It says that we have to learn how to buy oil. And we have to learn it now. We ha it, it's a way of preparing for uh, this eventuality of Jesus coming back. Get ready now because there's going to be a whole lot of deception and we're going to need to have the skills that it takes to be able to connect with God, to abide in his love, to uh, receive his wisdom into our lives and hearts, to have his perspective. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Uh, he's big. He's big enough so that we can absorb him and, and, and know the, the higher ways, even if we have to go through a time of confusion. Jesus, came, he, he said, make sure that nobody deceives you when, when it's that time in Matthew 24. So we're, we're, we're saying this is the time above all other times when learning how to do this, connecting with God and walking with God is, is more important, it's more critical for us to gain these skills now than any other previous generation because of these things. So we're getting ready for uh, a great deal of deception that's coming out on the world and we want to be prepared so that we're not fooled uh, by the enemy. That's, what, that's kind of what I believe he's saying here. Okay, so um, what I would like to ask you, how did it go? For you, uh, as you learned to do uh, this approach to meditation that I gave you last week. And in fact, what I would like you to do, if you would, and if you're part of a home group, uh, just uh, pause my teaching right now and talk with each other about how it went. Did you, did you find it helpful? Uh, were you able to get with it? Did you even try it? Um, we, we really want to be honest here about uh, any problems that we had uh, trying it and uh, uh, to encourage one another and to share our experiences. Um, this is what I think is going to be helpful uh, if you're meeting with other believers or other people trying to, to get this done. So um, turn this off, pause it right now, and then turn it back on after you've had a chance to do that. Okay, so now what we want to do is explore other ways of buying oil. Um, in other words, um, buying oil means that you're, you're going to have to uh, uh, sacrifice some things. It's not just a free ride. It's not just always easy. Uh, you may have to give up other priorities like Carla and I did uh, back at the beginning when we, we started to do uh, an early morning uh, prayer time but we had to give up our late night uh, movies, you know, things like that. And so there is a cost. There is a cost to discipleship. And um, so uh, here's some other things 
that you can incorporate into your lifestyle um, as you're learning to buy oil. And uh, one, of, one of the things that I'm imagining you're, you're asking yourself is what about daily devotional guides? There are all kinds of Christian uh, companies and people uh, who are providing uh, devotional guides for uh, folks like us, uh, uh, your daily bread and, and so on. And um, probably one of the most um, popular uh, of these is a book uh, that you can buy at virtually any bookstore, especially Christian bookstores, Oswald Chambers, his utmost, uh, your utmost for his highest is the name of the book, your utmost for his highest. And uh, what we, what we want to do is to say, here's the most uh, important, probably widely used devotional guide I would think in history, I mean, it's been hugely successful in helping people have uh, a daily quiet time, and it's, it's meant so much to so many people. But let's look at a, at a few other possibilities. Now, I gave my wife this book uh, back four or five years ago, and uh, it's Charles Haddon Spurgeon's book, uh, Faith's Checkbook, and uh, I think this is the most un underlined book in my entire library because my wife has gone through this book probably five times. Uh, it just always seems to speak to her, and uh, she really, really loves this book. Um, but then there, there are others. Uh, for example, this is the one I've used, um, Secrets of the Secret Place by... Bob Sorge. Now, it's a book about how to do quiet times, but it's arranged sort of like a devotional guide. So you can use it in your quiet time, and it'll speak to your quiet time. So that's pretty cool. And Bob Sorge is a, he's a gem. He's absolutely one of the best writers on this subject of how to do quiet times um, that I know. And he's got a, he's got a, a website it's full of other resources, and he's, he's written many other books here, some of them um, uh, Unrelenting Prayer, Between the Lines, and so on, Following the River. He's got a host of other resources, and they're all, one way or another, connected with having a walk with God and uh, a daily quiet time. Um, how do you do this? So I really want to recommend Bob Sorge and the oasishouse.com website for further resources. But now, I also want to say, uh, devotional guides are a little bit like TV dinners. I don't want to be demeaning of them I, because there's an important place for them. And, and Christians have an important ministry of producing them and helping us with our quiet time. But um, my hope is that you will be able to get right into the Word itself without any help at all except the Holy Spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is given the task of taking this Word of God and working it into your heart without the need for anybody else, you go into your uh, uh, 
prayer closet and you've just got the word of God and and you're meditating on the word itself and the Holy Spirit is there to help you with that. And my hope is that you will um, get to the place in your life where you're feeding directly on the meat of the word itself. It becomes a two-edged sword, piercing to the division between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, as it says in Hebrews 4. It has that power. And and so um, um, devotional guides are good, they're important, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping to move you to the place where you can directly meditate on the Word of God. And so here's another resource that uh, I believe could help you do that. And uh, this is by Kirk Bennett, Deepening Prophetic Revelation Through Meditation. Um, Kirk Bennett is another guy at the uh, uh, Kansas City International House of Prayer, or at least he has been for quite a number of years at the time I'm giving this teaching. And uh, uh, Kirk Bennett, in this book, shares his own struggle, you know, trying to get with the Word of God and, you know, right away it, didn't, it just didn't, it didn't, wasn't clicking, but um, it, it shares his way of making it click, and that's what we want. So Kirk has, first of all, he's got a website that's full of more, uh, more resources, uh, but I want to I want to tell you what's in here. More resources at Seven Thunders, and uh, I believe it's seventhunders.org, and it's a, the numeral seven followed by the word thunders, and yes, it's .org, and so you can go to that website, and he's got just a pile of of more resources. I'm wanting to equip you so that you can succeed at this, um, and uh, so here's. Uh, Kirk Bennett talks about many of the things that we've talked about, the need to have a, a, a time and the need to have a place and all of these things. But then the actual approach that he takes is different from what I told you last week. And so let's try this this week, uh, where you are doing uh, a, a, a different uh, series of steps, okay? And so you're going to open the Bible. Let's just open the Bible to uh, a passage. And you're going to take a passage, a very short passage. You're going to read it, write it, say it, sing it, and pray it in your quiet time. So um, this is a a five-step process for that passage of of God's Word, and it's designed to get it out of your head and into your heart. Okay, so let's just suppose we're going to uh, focus on Romans 8, 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. There's a simple verse. So you're going to just read it in your quiet time, then you're going to take your pen and write it in your journal at the top of the page, like we did last time. Um, But then you're going to say it out loud. And uh, the practice of saying out loud is going to begin to 
press it into your consciousness. Um, I don't know, saying it out loud, reading out, you're, you're by yourself, you're in your private time, yet there's a value in speaking it out loud. So you'll just say that. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And just examine yourself and, and see if it, if, if it doesn't make a difference for you that you start speaking it out loud. Then you're going to sing it out loud. Okay, so we're, we're discovering that singing something, it puts it through a different channel than saying it. Okay, left brain, right brain, all that stuff. Um, so the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. You can make up your own tunes. And it's funny, but, you know, I make up, I made up this tune for that verse, and when now when I, when I read that verse, I think of that tune. It just like it almost forms itself into a tune. And uh, it helps to get it into your heart. That's what we're trying to do. It's get it, get it worked in. It's so hard to work it in deep into your heart. But this is a way to do it. And Kirk Bennett found it helpful, and I found it helpful. And, and then to end it, end it by praying the scripture. Not, you're not praying it, literally reading it, but you're praying according to what that scripture says. And so you might say something like this, well, Lord, show me the difference between thoughts that are of the flesh and thoughts that are of the spirit. Give me a, give me a heart to see the difference as I'm having different thoughts. Would you help me to, to get uh, thoughts that are going to give me life instead of death? Show me where the thoughts are leading that are of the flesh so that I can see the death before it happens. What does it mean, death, anyway? And so you're going to pray that God will release these things into your life, that you'll be more a person who's governed by the Spirit than by the flesh. And you could pray a long time according to that. But you see, my point is you're taking the Scriptures and you're forming that scripture into prayer. You can take almost any scripture and form it into a prayer. The value of doing that is, well, there's two. One, uh, it, it takes the scriptures and it works them into your spirit. It gets them out of your head and into your heart. But it also uh, works the scriptures so that your, your life is becoming more aligned uh, and your prayers are more aligned with the Word of God and what God wants. So it's important for us to pray according to the will of God, and, 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 and by praying the Scriptures, you're going to be doing that more and more and more. So praying Scripture is a good thing in two different ways. Before I move on, I want to just share with you another resource, and... Um, uh, and that's from uh, my ministry team called uh, PRMI, Presbyterian and Reformed Ministries International. And we have done a series of conferences that you can attend. And the purpose of the conferences is to equip people to walk in the Spirit and to buy oil. And, and 
to have the anointing flowing through their life. And there's actually five conferences, but um, this is the, um, the syllabus for one of the conferences on the power of prayer. And, but we have five, or actually six syllabuses, um, and these conferences are happening all over the world. Um, you can go to uh, prmi.org, and you can find out if there's a conference. Uh, and there is this, when we do one conference, we do a whole series of conferences in that area. So find out if there's a conference happening in your area. I would uh, like to invite you to attend those conferences and see if they aren't helpful for you. It's all about walking in the Spirit. Um, before, and now let's see. Before we quit, I want to just deal with one more issue, and that is uh, the value of music in having a daily quiet time. Um, I, I, one time I, I, I ran across a scripture. It's uh, 2 Kings 3.15, and uh, a king... One of the kings of Israel was uh, faced with a battle, and he wanted to get a word from the Lord about it, so he went to Elisha the prophet to see if he could prophesy about the battle. And uh, Elisha was willing to do that, and then he said, bring me a minstrel. Well, it seems like he needed some music before he could prophesy. The, the music connected him, opened his spirit up in some way so that he could have that prophetic spirit. He could have that connection with God. And, and, uh, and so what that shows is just a little kind of glimpse into the importance of music. Um, remember, David played the harp for King Saul. And there's a, there's a number of, of areas in, in the scriptures where we see the importance of music. And, of course, the psalms were all sung. They were not just spoken like we do. Um, they were sung. So the importance of music in developing our walk with God. Um, I'd like to just tell a story uh, how this is, what this has meant for me. And uh, I mentioned earlier in the series of teachings about how I went through a very difficult dark night of the soul back in the year 2000 uh, up to 2003 and uh, it was it was simply awful it was like um, uh, rejection and um, depression and um, just all kinds of darkness came into my life and it was it was a satanic attack um, but I want to tell you how I got out of it. <laughs> and uh, um, I, was, I was with my wife in a morning quiet time. We had spent a little time by ourselves, but then we, we come together. And uh, in those days, we, were, um, we had walk, walkmans. Um, and uh, so we had just gotten a CD uh, from the... Uh, um, Toronto Airport, um, and the title of the CD was Mighty Name of Jesus. It was actually the music from one of their equipping conferences there uh, that they had every year, 
and uh, they, I had signed up for the music, and here it came in the mail, and I put it on my uh, Walkman and started playing it. Um, we were going to sing along to some of the songs, and uh, but as soon as that music started, it was like the Holy Spirit came into my heart, suddenly um, bringing me to tears. And I started weeping, uh, like I was weeping my heart out. And uh, as I played the music, uh, something was happening in my heart. And uh, I just kept on playing that music all day long, all day long, it, it, right through. And I kept on weeping for some reason. And the Holy Spirit was just taking authority over that darkness and by the end of the day, it was gone. It was all gone. And so this was how uh, the Lord ministered to me so that I could be free. And, and uh, so I'm telling you, for me, the role of music has been very, very significant. And uh, sometimes I just think that uh, music can get in and minister to a person's heart in a way that sermons and things you might read in books and all of these things um, don't, don't quite reach into that place. So um, a lot of, of Christian people are discovering this role of music and um, there's a whole area of ministry now called soaking music. And you can Google soaking music and you can find out who are the artists that are producing this and, and uh, you can um, put that into your um, your phones, you can get it on Apple Music or whatever way you use and download it and you can use that and just like have it be in your room and part of your, your quiet time um, as I do. At virtually every day I will have some kind of music going on and it just seems to minister into my heart. Now while I'm doing Bible study or reading um, devotional guides or whatever, uh, other books, um, I don't want music that's got words to it because it's confusing. I find it confusing. So I like to have w music without words for this uh, soaking music. And uh, But you may be different, and it may be that you just like to, to uh, play your favorite Christian music and just close your eyes for a while and allow that to soak into your spirit. But music, I believe, is an important part of a person's quiet time. Okay, so now what I would like you to do uh, between now and next week is to try the read it, write it, say it, sing it, pray it. Uh, try Kirk Bennett's way of approaching a scripture and see how that works for you. Give it a good college try. You try it each day for a week and see how it goes and then in your meeting with others, um, share what happened, okay? And let's see how it goes.